Hello again, everybody. My name is Tim Muma, and you're listening to Management Decisions here on localjobnetwork.com radio. Now, this podcast is designed to look at topics related to upper management, giving us all an idea of what the keys to success really are. Now, leadership is clearly a vital component of management and a popular topic here on LJN Radio. On this episode, though, we're wondering if invisible leadership is ideal in corporate America. To break down what we mean by invisible leadership and the impact it can have, we have Blanche Williams joining us today. Blanche is the president of Greatness by Design, the Center for Learning, Leadership, and Team Development. She's actually also a host on XM Radio, so she knows a little bit about this forum where she spoke with some tremendous leaders herself, so she definitely brings some great perspectives to our listeners today. Blanche, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on, Tim. And actually, let me... um make a, a, a correction. I'm a former host. I was on there for seven years. And so I'm not there any longer, but so many lessons, so many incredible leaders and thoughts, you know, agents of change that I've just been so blessed to be able to uh, to speak with people, you know, like that. I saw some, you know, some of the distinguished guests you had on there. And as I said, some, some terrific perspectives I think you can bring to us as well as what you're doing now. And we'll jump into that idea. Again, leadership is something we always talk about on these shows that we have, but Let's start off with the basic question. When you say invisible leadership, what are you really talking about there? I'm speaking about those people that you, you rarely see, the behind the scenes, sometimes unseen heroes, or people that you, know, you may not even realize are in positions that really affect change. Mm-hmm. And there's a quote that actually someone shared with me because of the article, and it's a beautiful quote by uh, Latsu a gentleman out of Cambodia, he, he does life-saving surgery. He sent this and he said it reminded him of this quote that says, a leader is best when people barely know he exists. Mm. When his work is done, his aim fulfilled, they will say, we did it ourselves. Wow. So that's really what this is about. It's about those subtle people that are behind the scenes that don't always get all the praise and, and so forth and don't need that. They're just doing what it is that they do best. They're contributing more so than thinking about, you know, the result or who's going to pat them on the back. Right. They're just being who they are. And, you know, and so when I started off the article, it basically started with a quote, you know, lead from the back and let others believe they're in front because the goal is still to get something done, to move someplace. And so if you have people who are not always thinking about the limelight, that's really an important thing. And it's interesting something that kind of sparked this was a new book that's out called The Invisibles. And it's like all of these people that you never hear about, you'll never know what they do, but Mm -hmm. they impact so much. Sure. Now, is this something that you're seeing as a trending in this direction in corporate America? Do you think it's something that's still been slow to change? What's been your outlook based on your experiences? I think that it is changing. I don't want to say that it's it's slow to change, but there's what we say and then there's what we do. Mm. I mean, it sounds good to say, yeah, we have all these people that we're always supporting. But then when I do a lot of trainings, when I do coaching and I have conversations with people, they always feel like they're being undermined or underestimated or underutilized. You know, they're not feeling their self-worth in the workplace. And we all know that if you are fulfilled and you're happy in the job that you're doing, you're going to do that much better. So there is a return on investment if you really do support those unseen leaders because they help us succeed. It's a lot of people you'll never know their name because the leader or the CEO or whoever is out front, but you'll never know all those people behind the scenes that made it happen. That's the ones that we really need to support because they make us look good. (laughs) 
Now, there was a mention of the idea that uh, sometimes the way a leader, their style might be some sort of reflection on on how they see things going. Can you maybe explain what that means or how you envision that? Sometimes people's style, and, and it's, it's something that they've learned or they're emulating or it was modeled for them, mm-hmm. and they'll take on that style thinking, well, that's the way that I should work. And I would say that another way to look at it is, let me go in and get to know my team. Let me get to know who John and Sue and Lisa is and sure. what they do and how the dynamics of who they are help support the goals of either the department or the, the organization overall. So your style of leadership really should reflect the goals that you have, but also those people that are looking up to you for guidance and for, you know, that day-to-day coaching, you know, because if you're a manager, day-to-day, there's somebody saying, Tim, you're doing a great job. Tim, I like how you do this. You know, what do you think about that? You know, those kinds of interactions help you see that, you know what, they value me. Mm -hmm. So if they value me, then they value my output, you know, the things that I do. So let me do that that much better. Sometimes that motivation is just someone simply saying to you, you know, I like what you did. What, you know, you showed me a way maybe to do X, Y, Z that I hadn't thought about. Sure. The simple thing. So your style is so much a part of the culture that you begin to create because you can say that, you know, have that mission statement up on the wall that says, you know, we're all about this, that, and the other. But if you ask, your workforce, if that's the case, they may say, no, that's, you know, it looks good up on the wall, but that's not how I feel. Mm. So we really need to, as, as upper management, you really need to take a step back and say, am I modeling and is, are my actions reflective of what it is that I say that we as an organization represent? Because the leaders, if you're self-proclaimed or, or otherwise, you influence the outcome. Sure. Now, with that, uh, you know, of course, a lot of people who rise to, you know, in an organization or they take on these leadership roles, they clearly had talent and work ethic and they have a lot of knowledge and expertise. I guess, how can you help someone make that transition from sort of, quote unquote, knowing it all and understanding all of that? And then, as you said here, take a step back and let other people do their work. Let them give you ideas, bring their thoughts. So what suggestions do you have for people to try to make that transition? Because I feel like that's one of the challenges associated with this. Well, sometimes, and you know, and I went through kind of those little secrets, so to speak, right. you know, about not undermining the process. You know, sometimes the more that we know, the less we know. Sometimes if you look at the strengths that you have, sometimes those things that you go to first, that primary can be a, a, um, a weakness. Right. Because if I always feel like I have to speak, then that's what's, what's always going to come out before I listen. Sometimes the most powerful tool that we have is the ability to listen. And it allows you to, to have an opportunity to know what else is going around or what's happening around you, because that's what critical thinking is. It's being able to assess all the options, to look at everything, everybody's perspective, because you never know what's going to happen. What's interesting is that I saw something on TV earlier today about TSA. You know, we always grumble about, oh, you know, going through security at the airports is terrible and it's very difficult. Well, guess what? TSA has been listening and saying, guess what? We're going to have a contest. So we're going to ask the public, general public, everybody to give us their ideas. Mm -hmm. The best idea gets $15,000. 
that's an incentive. That's saying, you know what? We don't know the answer. Maybe someone out there might know it. Right. And so that's a good example of someone stepping back and saying, you know what? I don't know everything. And I don't need to micromanage people. I need to instead manage to stay out the way and let people do what they do best. As a leader in that, in that title, I need to leave my ego at the doorstep. Right. Because ego definitely says, I need to make you feel less than so that I feel better. So then that lets you know, you know what, I need to really focus on me so that I don't have to feel like that. And listening is so important that, you know, and I have to always go back to that and supporting people more and criticizing them less. We talk about analyzing and assessing and they have to have their evaluation for this, that, and the other. Sometimes the evaluation is you're doing a good job and I'm learning from you in these ways and maybe you can support you know, these other two people that are coming in. I mean, there's ways to make, as a manager, to make your job easier Right. if you take the time to think about the landscape, not just the structure, the, the tree that's in front of you. Look at the entire landscape and how all of these dynamics work together. And I say in this article about invisible leadership, I say be invisible, but stay present. You can be Hmm. invisible. You can still influence. You can still lead from behind and let everybody think that they're leading themselves. There's a a quote by Thomas Watson who talks about the first person that you need to lead is yourself. You've got to be able to say, you know what? This is how I need to lead by example. This is how I need to model that because you want to make your workforce stronger than you. You're one person. They're many. So that means they're supposed to help push that. And you brought up an interesting aspect there, the idea of time. Uh, And that comes up a lot in our conversations on our shows as well. When it comes to training or investing a little bit more at the front end to, as you said, maybe make even your job as a leader a little bit easier. Do you see that as being a challenge in workplaces today where they're not taking the time to train, not taking the time to really cultivate their workforce so that they can let them kind of do their work on their own? Well, what's interesting, that's a really interesting question, Tim. I think what I'm seeing is that it's not so much about time, but it's about management of the time and the training that you're putting into the people. Sure. What I'm seeing as a trainer, because I'm a trainer and I'm a coach, the training part of it is the information, okay? The key is the application of that information. If you don't take the opportunity after you train your people to continue to reinforce that, that's where the wasting of time comes in because training is supported by coaching. Coaching is leading from behind, Mm. okay? Coaching is that, you know what, I like how you infuse about being quiet and listening because that was one of the points that we had in our training. So you're reinforcing that on a consistent basis. I think a lot of companies, You are wasting time and money when you don't reinforce the training that you put your people through. Okay. So coaching, I think, is is a real important way to reinforce that. And some of that is building a a coaching culture Mm -hmm. where you have internal coaches. And so that's something that we do. We go into companies who want to really have a return on their investment by really investing in their training, but investing also in coaching. Um, and being right. able to reinforce that. So time is always an issue. So sometimes as managers, you have to look and listen. You have to take the time to look at what's happening. Once they've gone through training, how much of that is being reinforced? 
how much of a return am I getting on that investment? Because you spent money and they took time out of their working day to be there. So managers, very important to look at training and coaching that reinforces it so that you're going to get the best results. I think that's a terrific change of perspective a little bit because, uh, as I said, a lot of times this comes up when it's just the idea of the time and the training itself. And um, I appreciate you sort of taking it to that next level and saying, you know, the issue might not be there, but it's it's moving forward after that. So I think uh, I think a great point there that you bring up. I wanted to also ask, uh, you know, there's been a lot in the media regarding um, maybe differences between the perception of female leaders versus male leaders. And I know you had touched on this in the past, I think actually on your shows um, when you were hosting. Do you see there being a double standard with men and women? Do you see it possibly being easier or more difficult for, for a woman to lead from behind, as you put it, uh, I guess, what do you see as any differences or challenges between the two genders when we're talking about leadership? You just put a whole lot into that one question, <laughs> Tim. Oh, my gosh. That was a great question. Um, let me start by saying that on an obvious you know, observation, yes, men and, and, and women are different. They approach things differently. Their leadership styles are normally different. They can sit in a classroom and get the same information, right. but analyze it differently. I think that double standard, yes. And part of that is because we live in a male-dominated society and our boardrooms reflect that. Mm -hmm. However, that is changing. Now, there are, and I do a lot of coaching for executives that are female and they're trying to understand how they can gain more respect in the boardroom, etc. We have to be smart enough as women to know that in a boardroom, there are certain rules. Just like in football, the rules don't change because it's a male or female. The mm. rules of football are the rules of football. They're not going to change depending on young, old, whatever. The rules are the rules. And so when we go into a boardroom and we, when we deal on the corporate level and the C-suite, all of those things, there are certain rules that everybody is going to have to follow. Now, there are things about women leaders that I think make us different and for men that make them different. And so part of a manager's responsibility is to understand how the dynamics of a male or female leadership style is going to benefit my end result. Okay. How is that going to benefit or influence my workplace? Yes, there is a double standard. Yes, there is a difference. Are there better female leaders versus male? Yes. Are there better male versus female? Yes. So it really is an individualized sort of thing. And, but I think that they are trained differently. Females overall, we're trained differently sometimes than men. However, like I said, just like in football, the rules are the same, but we will approach things very differently. If you look at, for example, in politics, you look at a Hillary Clinton mm -hmm. versus you know, a male counterpart. She's going to look at things a little different. Marion Albright, you know, Condoleezza Rice. You're going to look at a Stephen Covey differently, say, than a Maya Angelou. They're still important, and, but they're just different. We're just different. But I think that getting the job done is important. And sometimes same-sex leaders model for each other differently okay. and vice versa. But that's just like parenting, Tim. See, the thing is that everything mirrors life. If I have a daughter and I'm showing my daughter how to put on a dress, it's going to make more sense to her because I'm, I wear a dress. Okay. <laughs> right. So we've just got to look at things a little more strategically and not 
so much like men are this and women are that. There are so many different ways that you and I listen to things. We could hear the same thing, Tim. Right. But we're going to respond differently because of our experiences, our upbringing, the way that we look at life and the way we look at the world, the way that we look at the workplace. So I don't want to do a blanket because it's hard. Once I do that, people will make me like, okay, now you said so-and-so. So I'm going to say differences versus, you know, better than. Sure. It's always important for us to look at the dynamics of each individual mm-hmm. and then how they work within the team. Because overall, we're supposed to have a mission as an organization to get things done. And so that's why when I say greatness by design, we have to be very deliberate and calculated in how we get to where we go because success is by choice. It's not by chance. Well, I think you handled that well. And I knew you would take it head on, really. And uh, I appreciate you you know, being forthright with it. As I know, it can be a difficult uh, topic to to sort of discuss. But um, but again, I think, as you put it, it's there are going to be differences within gender and basically with the opposite gender. So um, it, it's going to be on a case-by-case basis. Now, we are up against the clock here, but I did want to give you the, the final 30 seconds or so. If you wanted to give our listeners a, a nice takeaway, wrap up to this conversation regarding invisible leadership, what would you leave us all with today? I would lead you with one of the last things that I said in the article, that the hallmark for quiet leadership with powerful results starts with building upon the value of trust through active respect and authentic engagement. You know, invisible leadership doesn't mean it's unseen or unrecognized. It's simply hidden so that the efforts of others become more visible and new leaders emerge. It's all about us being able to model and show examples of how we want our workforce to operate, how we want our companies to look like. And so diversity is key, and there's no way that we can get around that. How unseen leaders can succeed in corporate America, we see it every day. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate the opportunity. And if anyone has any other questions or wants to get on with me on LinkedIn, please do um, to read the article, Invisible Leadership, How Unseen Leaders Can Succeed in Corporate America. And my website is greatnessbydesign.com. So I really appreciate the opportunity, Tim. And you're doing a great job, I will just say, <laughs> as, a, as a fellow broadcast journalist, you you just, you got great questions and you're really getting to the heart of it. And that's really what we need. More conversation, more inter- interaction, more case studies, things like this to really get people to think and listen. Well, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. And I appreciate your time. Uh, again, you having a, a lot of great perspectives and experience, you know, really across the board with different individuals. So thank you once again for coming on and sharing as well. You're welcome, Tim. Have a great evening, afternoon, or morning for everybody out there. Thank you so much for supporting Tim and supporting me as I talk more about invisible leadership. Thanks. And with that, we will wrap up this edition of Management Decisions. Again, we've been talking about invisible leadership with Blanche Williams, who is the president of Greatness by Design, the Center for Learning, Leadership, and Team Development. If you would like to give us some comments or feedback, just send an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. Use the hashtag LJNRadio to get involved in those conversations as well. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.